0: rely on on x hunt when i'm hunting turkeys it is an invaluable turkey hunting tool telling you what decked is a game changer decked has completely changed how i load organize my truck all my stuff that i want is always in there out of my way and secure it's perfect if you own a pickup truck that you use you know like a truck the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear you can lock it up too you keep your tools and gear organized, job site or out in the field. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. Go to decked.com slash meat eater and get yourself some free shipping. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without your essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite Hoodie to protect against the sun. Man, I was just in Hawaii and I had my Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie with me. And here's the deal. We're in and out of the water all the time, getting in to go fishing, getting out, taking the kids to the beach. I'm not going to mess around all day putting sunscreen on then having to get washed off. I just run a hoodie. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Hey everyone, this is the Meat Eater Podcast. We're recording in Madison, Wisconsin. I'm here with Doug Duran from Madison. From, yes, Kaz- no, from are you from Madison or
1: Casanova? Uh, I'm from Casanova, but I live in Madison.
0: Yeah, Doug's from Casanova, which is like the redneck stepchild of Madison, right? That's yeah, a pretty <laughs> accurate description. Did you grow
1: up? Did you grow up hating people from Madison because you were from Casanova? No, I spent a lot of time here. I, oh. We used to come down here like when I was in high school and stuff.
0: Yeah, Doug's this from a farm. My- Doug's from a farm family, an ag family. His dad, I've hunted on Doug's a handful of times, and I, I spend more time in Wisconsin than I do in my home state now. And uh, Doug's dad was a rural mail carrier, right? That's right. Um, Funny story about Doug's dad. He, one time someone made some calls trying to accuse Doug's dad of being a communist because he had delivered some magazines called Red Book.
1: (laughs) Free sample of Red Book magazine, yeah. Yeah. They
0: which thought, for those of you don't know you, they thought you spread communist <laughs> propaganda
1: well that and some other things that had gone on you know politically in the area but yeah and if you don't know red book magazine is a woman's magazine <laughs> so i expected something like this he's like from i knew you. it
0: i knew it yeah. red book commie <laughs> here with remy warren we're, we're mainly talking with remy um also, here with Giannis Poutelis. A little known fact about Giannis Poutelis is right now he has uh, poison ivy on his pecker. <laughs> <laughs> we were just got back from turkey hunting in California, and where we were hunting, the pro, is it predominant or prominent? If I was going to say the blank undergrowth, predominant? The pred- yeah. The pred- predominant, how how the, about pervading? The pervading undergrowth it's like a lot of places you go and you'd be like oh you know oh shit there's some poison oak or poison ivy um this place it was just everything that wasn't a tree was poison oak there was like trees grass poison, poison oak. oak it yeah. was the prevailing predominant prominent dominant you know you didn't have vegetation. to suit out of it though So, yeah, Yanni made himself a little like a little (laughs) ghillie suit. out of (laughs) No, I don't know. We did.
1: (laughs) Blended right in. I wanted to hide, you know.
0: (laughs) I've gotten that stuff so bad in the past. I've gotten that stuff so bad that I had to go to the emergency room for having bad fevers because we were burning at one time. We were clearing a lot in Indiana and burned a bunch of that stuff and I'd breathe it in. And it wasn't hours later. And I just got a very bad fever. And, um. And since then, I've always had a problem with it. But the weird thing about this time is, initial exposure was eight days ago, and I just got my first blister this morning. But Yanni's had it on his tallywhacker since. <laughs> Maybe it's just sympathetic, <laughs> s- sympathetic
2: symptoms. Where it could like, be. You, you're just feeling for him a little bit. So you're like, look right here. Seems a like in our cheap. in our
3: crew, we're about fifty percent They got it, and no, everybody's saying
2: they did not get it.
3: No, because you now have a spot. Well, Shrek's yeah, but I guy. don't count that as having it. Oh, okay. Well, hey, then it's this just then ancient. it's just twenty percent. Well, no, Mike has Callen nothing. I thought Mike said nothing. No, Oh, Mike has got on his forearms. He sent me a picture. It's pretty good on his forearms. Oh, it is.
0: God, I hate that stuff.
3: Yeah, it's wicked. I made it about four or five days, really like strong mentally, and I've just been holding off, and not scratching at all. And at three o'clock this morning, I just woke up, and I even put band aids over like the worst ones so that I couldn't scratch while I was asleep. And I woke up like ripping the band aids off. Just so Unco- no, unconsciously. Because you want to you get know, a good before I actually it. woke up, I was already pulling them off.
0: Dude, the last time I had a bad was I told the story a hundred times, but I skinned a wild pig that had been rolling in it. And it was just immediate. It was like the next day, I just had sleeves of it, my waistline. I could see how I tucked my shirt in. Ugh. And like actually, like, finger lines where I had, like, tucked my wool undershirt in. Like, finger lines running down my abdomen. Had it on my scroll. Had it on my tallywhacker. Had it just everywhere. Just, Just awful. And then we went... From, we went to hunt in Montana after that, and, it was, and it's, like, below zero. So you're laying in your sleeping bag just so, you know, it's cold, but you, it's just, like, I hate that stuff, man. That seems like the worst. But Yanni's got it pretty good now. And we were taking every precaution. Like, we'd hunt, and you couldn't not. You couldn't. You'd either have to not hunt, right? The only yeah. way to avoid it be to not hunt. So we hunted turkeys quite successfully. And we'd come back and just take off your pants and boots, wash your clothes. Anytime I touched my boots, I would tie my boots in the morning, scrub the piss out of my hands. When I took my boots off at night, scrub the piss out of my hands. I kept two or three layers on at all times. Hmm. Um, I feel like the, I, I still feel like I defeated it, but it could come out 14 days later.
3: Yeah.
2: When I was uh, I was blacktail hunting down there, and I did the same, you know, I was just camping though, so I just had a pair of gloves that I always wore. Anytime I was touching any of my clothes or anything, it was like, put the leather gloves on. But then I shot some mountain quail with my bow, and then see the arrow laying over there, I was like, no. <laughs> That's good, because I thought next time I draw that arrow back to yep. be touching my face. You're going like, to get it on Yeah, I was like, yeah, that was expensive, expensive birds to shoot at, because I was like, no, I'm not picking those arrows. <laughs> Man, back up. I
0: think the next time I do it, I was thinking about uh, every time I've hunted there, every time i hunted in California, I've gotten it, in this area, you know. Um, I was thinking about trying to use, bringing a shitload of uh, latex gloves. Yeah, I think that would work. Just all day long, man. Have like a Ziploc baggie and just all day long be like put latex gloves on and just periodically taking the things off, putting a new set of latex gloves on, taking them off.
2: That'd probably work. Because it's always on your It's from your, it's hands. On your hands. Yeah, man. or your clothes, that oil. Like right now, I can feel some.
0: It hasn't done anything. And usually it does. Not, I can feel it on my face, but I got some where, right it, where it, c- it pops up where your skin's thin. So, like my eye socket, I can feel it right here for sure.
2: I bring those, uh, like those, I don't know, alcohol wipes, too. Yep. I think that that helps, like, get they rid- say like,
0: I- They say isopropyl alcohol yeah. and cut that oil. When you get poison oak, what's happening. And this is something we were talking about, Doug. Um. I, my understanding right now and i want to look to someone should look this up i was just doing that is it poison oak and poison ivy there's no difference <clears throat>
1: uh are poison ivy and poison oak the same thing what source are you on i'm on answers.com I don't,
0: uh, yeah it bull, they all call it bullshit no problem.
1: is the is the answer oh. poison ivy t- toxic chondrin radicans and poison oak toxic chondrin I'm,
0: Oh, they look different really too, don't they? Diverse but globally. I thought it was an a unbroken cline of intergrades across the species range. I, I really yeah.
1: liked that when you said that earlier. I was like, wow, he really knows what he's talking about. Yeah, But, but he's been throwing that like every time. I read know, that unbroken term, unbroken so I've been trying to use it whenever possible. <laughs> <laughs> I have this an
0: unbroken cline of intergrades. You can picture what that means, right? It'd be like, you got some bird that's everywhere, but like, you look at one in California... The
3: wild turkey's a good example.
0: Yeah. gotcha. For instance... The wild turkey, the Osceola turkey in the eastern. There's no genetic barrier. Like, like, like an Osceola turkey is is what is known as a subspecies of the wild turkey in the Florida peninsula. What what? You can't see it, but Doug's giving this face, like this, like oh here we go face.
1: I was just thinking about a conversation that Addison and I had earlier about. I wanna I wanna hear about Doug's uh, purple suburban, but first let me tell you about Doug's purple <laughs> suburban. It was. Oh, <laughs> sorry.
0: No, please, please. <laughs> it's, only, it's only my podcast. I know it's a podcast. <laughs> All right. So, <sighs> unbroken line of integrates. Eastern turkeys look different than osteola turkeys, but there's no gap. There's no, like, gap where one ends and the other begins. The same thing with mule deer and Columbia blacktails. According to Boone and Crockett, it's I-5. West of I-5, he's a blacktail. East of I-5, he's a mule deer. You could go from being a blacktail to a mule deer just by crossing the highway. Unbroken client of integrates. They look different. All right, what were you we saying now?
1: Well, it, it they're, they're not the same, but they are related. Is that right? All right, I believe it. And the, it's the resin that that isn't is the same. Is the resin the same? Yeah, but then the... the We'd have to get a taxonomist or to talk about this. But they aren't they're you know, same uh genus, different species, different family. Different family. Yeah. Yeah, Jennifer's So I think you're right. Oh, you know what? Yanni's
3: wife Yannis's wife's a botanist. What'd she say? Yeah, different family, the two of them. And then poison sumac is a whole nother one.
2: Yeah, well I know that. See, I always thought, oh, poison
0: oak. But it's all eurisial, the same,
3: or how do you pronounce that? The
0: the oil. They all have the same yeah. oil. Uh, good. I stand corrected. No, no. I was Even gonna the blind say, scrolls wrong now and then. I was going to
1: say that you were right. Steve's oh. right. How? Well, in that they're 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 related.
0: Oh, okay. All right. Let's move.
1: Everybody's on. right.
0: Remy, you're just off the plane from New Zealand. Yeah. Um. All right. I, I want to give because I want to talk about New Zealand for a minute. All right, but I want to bring, but I, I want to like bring list. I want to talk to. to I'm going to address listeners for a minute. You correct me when I'm done. You correct me where I'm wrong. All right, I'm taking notes. New Zealand has New Zealand's a big ass island in the Pacific. It's like a continent-y kind of island, giant. It's
2: actually two two, of, primary two, two primary islands, about the size mammal. of California. Yeah, so both the islands.
0: The only native mammal that New Zealand had were some bats. Pre. Arrival of humans. The first humans to go there were the Maori, right? How did that? I know uh, no,
2: they were not the first humans, but they were the most successful. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Polynesians. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, apparently the Maori they took over the island, and then they because there wasn't a lot of food, so then it eventually they used the original native people as food source. Yeah, they a no, stronger, said, yeah, bigger. they were big
0: into cannibalism, like yeah. pe- putting people out on islands and stuff.
2: Yeah, but they uh, well, that's because they essentially extinct extinct their food source which was a moa giant yeah that's what i want to get to so
0: new zealand had no mammals except for some bats and um but they it was like they had birds that filled all the all the niches or niches if you're if you want to sound like you'd know more what you're talking about they had birds that filled all like the mammal niches so they had like giant grazers 400 500 pound birds
2: yeah and then top predator was a the hast eagle, which ate a 500-pound bird. So that's like, that is a giant eagle. That's, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what my kid would call bad mofo.
3: Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> so. then that Natural History Museum, have you ever been there in, um, what's the main big town at the bottom of the North Island? Uh, Auckland. Auckland. This yeah. is the capital, right? Yep. Yeah. I think it's a Natural History Museum. We went there. They have a recreation of a cave. And it's like, it's like a hole in the ground right below the ground level where one of those eagles had caught a moa and then crashed into there. And the bones were like on top of each oh, other. Oh, really? So they had it kind of recreated in there. You're Yeah. Giant. Oh, that's Giant. See giant.
0: Spring is a great time to do something with your family. Do some spring cleaning, which I kind of started today outside, planning outdoor activities, which I'm always doing. Taking a little trip to Hawaii with your kids for spring break, which I just did, which was great. You know what else you can do for your family this spring? You can shop for life insurance with Policy Genius. Make that part of your financial planning for the year. i said it before I, a thousand times. I'll say it again. When my wife and I, when we started having kids, we got serious about life insurance. And man, I felt so much better after we did. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just 292 bucks per year It's policygenius.com. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the Onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using OnX. If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using OnX. I'm always using OnX. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's I'm in the navel, and I hear pow, I'll like instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on, on X, and I'll look at the topography and I'll be like, oh, that sucker must be over in that little opening over there. Waypoints also, and the ability to share them. Okay? Comes in handy every spring. Whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. On X Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code ME EATER to receive twenty percent off your membership at onxmaps.com slash hunt. This turkey season. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't gonna drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like you still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20 plus years. Deck is a game changer. There's no more like leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. All right, so, New Zealand. The, uh... Like, there's a problem with islands where when people colonize islands, they tend to eradicate you know all the wildlife like it happened in the hawaii islands like the polynesians when they arrived in hawaii led many 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 extinctions and one problem is they show up with rats you know yeah they show up with rats people tend to show up places with pigs it causes all manner of problems so when the like a, the Polynesian like a, a, a people of polynesian descent show up in new zealand and and like everything it, it just crashed like the place crashed Pretty much, yeah. They just ecological ran out of food, yeah. and then all those big birds were very vulnerable to overhunting. Yeah. Later, you know, the Brits show up, and I was just reading about this the other day. The Brits, the British, had these committees. You know how like nowadays you belong to a conservation organization? Like I'm a member of a handful of conservation organizations, and the goal of a conservation organization would be that you conserve generally, like you're conserving native wildlife, pheasants forever is a conservation organization that tries to conserve an introduced bird, the pheasant. You know, pheasants aren't from here. They're from Asia. When the British were in New Zealand, they had these things called acclimatization organizations. It's like a—it's an organization dedicated to trying to make New Zealand seem familiar to Europe.
2: Just Yeah, everybody wants to feel like they're at home. Let's and go their across the goal world to feel was like like to bring home. in... yeah.
0: They were or, they were organizations based around
2: bringing in and introducing wildlife and plants and other things. Everything. There's the worst plant. There's gorse. It's like let's bring a plant that every time you walk past it, it pokes you and then causes rashes. Was it intentionally brought in? I think so. Just another. I, I mean, I don't know for a fact, but it could have been. Could have just been a byproduct of bringing in some other animals yeah, or other things. It came but, out on accident. Yeah. There's just Ton of plants like that that have no,
0: yeah, no well, like point. spotted knapweed here, yeah. the dandel- I mean, look, we have tons of stuff here that was accidentally that rolled in on wheat
2: seeds. Yeah, you know, or thistles, all kinds of stuff.
0: So in New Zealand, they introduced everything. A lot of things stuck, and now in New Zealand, you go hunting there, and you're not hunting um, native wildlife. But it in New Zealand, an environmentalist is someone who wants to kill all the wildlife. Pretty much yeah because there's a big movement to particularly with predators because they have a lot of small no they don't have any big predators, they have a lot of small predators, weasels skunks the om, the, the omnivorous no skunks possum
2: but uh stoats oh not skunks yeah. there's stoats there's which there's is the urn. feral cats, weasels, ferrets um no skunks all stoats. And then possums, but they aren't opossums. They're Yeah. A uh, red possum. Uh, yeah, they're an Australian. They're, it's used the possums were actually brought over for it's like uh, they put it in with the wool, they mix it with the wool. Gotcha. So when you shoot a possum you can actually pluck them like, while they're still wool. warm. Yeah, so you mix it with sheep wool and it's like gives it this cashmere feel It's super, super soft for oh, pretty you. cool pelts.
0: Yeah. So they did that and they got a big pro rats too.
2: Rats, rabbits, hares—those are the worst. Yeah. Problems. So,
0: yeah. New Zealand's got this big struggle where they're like, uh, you know, it would be a goal if you asked a, if you asked like a conservationist or an environmentalist of some sort in New Zealand, it would be a goal that you'd you'd clear the island of all non-natives and somehow start rehabilitating all the lost species. Many of yeah. which are gone forever; like you won't get them back. But there's a lot of endangered birds there and stuff. And hunting there is weird because, on one hand, the government's out. Gunning animals from helicopters
2: and poisoning with 1080 cereal poison. So you, you've got kind of everyone's like, "Oh, there's no uh, no predators, no limits, no seasons." But well, you've got government guys shooting them from helicopters, people poisoning areas, like, and everybody hunting. All the time. You know, it's just a No closed yeah. season.
0: Yeah, there's it's like no closed seasons, no bag limits. Your competition isn't so much other hunters as it's government sharpshooters <laughs> shooting out of helicopters. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a wild place to hunt. I you know, I've, I had a great time. If, if, if viewers of the show Meat Eater might you know, know Remy from the various things he's involved in, but um, we did four episodes, very well-received episodes of media that we shot in New Zealand
2: hunt with Remy. And um what what you spent what time there? Uh about 3 months like March, April, May, a little bit in June. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know what? I know I got a buddy in Anchorage. One thing about New Zealand like when you see
0: when you, like if you see like a TV host type personality guy go over to New Zealand and he shoots a giant stag. Oh yeah. Always it's a penned up animal. So what Every they do time. is They raise, well, except, I'm going to tell you about a dude I know. Okay. So they raise stags, like like red deer, okay? They raise them in order to, for many things, meat, but also to harvest the velvet for aphrodisiac markets in Asia. Well, and uh, joint medicine
2: is a lot of it. Oh, so it's not aphrodisiac? Uh, It's like human performance stuff. Oh, is that what the velvet's for? A lot of times, Oh, you know what? Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm sure it is aphrodisiac stuff, but they use, I guess they use Recently, we've been asked to collect the tails. I guess there is a gland in the tail that they use, like dried up something gotcha. like that. On like while they're rutting, this gland. I'm so they sell it. Then. Yeah, but the yeah, you can make like there uh, is something that's good for your joints.
0: So yeah. they raise deer like it's profitable. The the velvet's valuable enough where you can raise deer just to pull velvet and sell it. Yeah. Oh yeah. And when a when a when a stag gets I'm so paranoid about ticks, I'm still, like, checking my head for ticks. This place is, turkey helps crawl playing with ticks, on you. ticks, man. Yeah, it's playing, mine's playing ticks on you. That's good. So when a stag gets to be, like, as big as he's going to get, right, Yeah, they'll sell it to a guy who runs hunts. They'll put it in a truck and drive it over and turn it loose in his little penned area. Then a dude will come out. And he'll be like, they'll be like, well, how much do you want to spend? And what's the cost if you want to shoot a four hundred inch stag? Uh,
2: about twelve thousand, somewhere around there.
0: And they'll charge you based on the. You'd be like, oh, I want to spend ten or twelve, and they'll show you which one to shoot. I have an idea for New Zealand. I brought this up with you before. You know, they have like range finding binoculars. Yeah. I want to make a rifle scope. This will be good for Texas, and New Zealand, a, a yeah. barcode reading rifle scope where. As you're aiming at the animal, like when, you hunt high, when you're hunting a high, when you're like a high wire place in Texas, they'll use it in Africa. When
2: you're aiming at the animal, it shows you what it costs at the bottom of your scope. <laughs> that guy could actually, you could just set it straight to my uh, iPad or whatever, and then they can just like adjust the prices if <laughs> your heart rate goes up.
3: It you know? probably wouldn't work. It, for their advantage, though, for the guides, so the people trying to make the money, because I feel like they're always like, Yeah, that one's so much. This one's a little bit more. And he's like, No, I can't afford that one. And then the guide says, Well, just look at him through the scope. You know? And so then you, you look at him through the scope Yikes, and you go, Oh, yeah, he looks good. Now, I feel like if that price tag was blinking right there, yep. you'd be like, Nah, no. That's, that's my wife
1: going to think. Yeah,
3: yeah no, that's
0: probably a good point. So, um, but. Yeah, I, I was watching a guy I've always admired there's a there's a guy I don't want to name his name. I've always admired him. And I was watching him hunting in New Zealand. And he's just sitting there and it's just like giant stag after giant stag after giant stag. I'm like, this dude's hunting like a penned up spot. Yeah. But there's this guy known Anchorage who was just in New Zealand hunting tar. Okay. And he killed a a bull that scored in the three nineties wet score. And his, he said his guide was shocked that they found it.
2: Was it private land? No. Public land. Oh, that I don't know. But it wasn't an offense. Well, yeah. Maybe he got away? I, I call him escaped convicts. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, it's an escaped <laughs> convict. Because depending on where he's tar hunting, uh, yeah, you just aren't going to find them that big. They just don't grow that big in the wild. I mean, it's not. I would say, like, the real world record is probably in the 330s. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. That's now, how big,
0: that's how big he'd get on a free range place.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's if they were only well managed, I mean, maybe they could get a little bigger, but yeah, it's an escaped. Yeah. An escaped so feed. is it
3: supplemental feed that mostly makes them a lot bigger or just mm-hmm. letting them get supplemental? To a, to it's the, you know, it's
2: the same thing as deer or anything. It's breeding mm. feed combination. Um, yeah. I mean, Lack now there's stress. like, like when they breed them up, you could have a first year stag, like after, you know, spike, second year, two year old that scores 400. Oh, really? Oh, you know, yeah. Like these ones that they grow to. Selectively bred. Yeah. Apparently they just grew like a new world record. I don't even know what that means really. But, uh, and it was, I I can't even remember the numbers, but it's over 700 inches. Or so, something But crazy. no one's going to accept
0: like a trophy type place. No one's going to accept the score, right? The a does, right? animal
2: Yeah, they have like a special category for oh. fenced animals. But that's why with them raising so many true wild, my my thought is your record should be public land only. And yeah. then you know there's going to be the occasional dude that shoots one that just escaped, and those guys know they just be like, well, this isn't a wild I got deer, you. and so you know. But you can tell like a real big most stags that are wild they're big 12 or 14 pointers but it's funny because you could be on one of these high fence deals and you'll see these you know giant 400 inch stags but then there'll be some wild ones that they just cannot kill out of there oh really so yeah <laughs> and you see them and there they could be like good wild ones and they see death all the time those are probably the hardest to kill animal you can find is that in right because the they just know them. i had a friend that's like this, he had this wild one jump into his, his little operation there, or I don't know, maybe it was born in there. Who knows? And, I mean, it had been in there for like five years, and they couldn't kill it. It was crazy. I mean, because it just live in the in the thick bush, and it would just seen every animal on the place get slaughtered. So he's like, yeah, if you want, He's like, go in there and shoot it for me, because it's killing my big stags. I was like, oh, yeah, this should be no problem. It took me five days to find him. to find it. It was crazy. Huh. I was like, huh, okay. But that's, I mean, I'm not, you know, obviously I don't hunt high fence stuff. But I went in there to go take care of yeah. a problem for a guy and thought to myself, what's harder, going on public land where there's 30 stags per square mile exactly. or go on this one place tarred, where there's one removal. stag per 20, you know, 20, oh, I don't even know how big the place was, you know, 1,000 acres and one stag or go on the wild property where there's 20 stags per thousand acres you know yeah it's like okay that took a lot long and it was frustrating because you're like this should be easy this is stupid yeah i was yeah. just getting pissed off the most exciting thing i did and this i know it's something you like the most in new
0: zealand is um you can do that right there's plenty of red deer hunting but there's also just a lot of crazy animals just living out in the.
2: oh yeah well out. i mean for me if i'm going if i'm going to hunt for myself i'm gonna go tar hunting that's it's just the country it's like okay i can go on a doll sheep type hunt mountain goat type hunt whatever just on the weekends for fun every week yeah whatever it's amazing the country is really what it's all public about land oh yeah
0: open I, stuff we just like oh, just, you just like drive up these areas and it's just a matter of like what you're willing to hike yeah
2: you know we ran into
0: chamois we went through private land to access we were hunting public land i think
2: uh no the road well the road goes through the road was like an easement. through, But it's open to anybody. Yeah. An eas- oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I no, anybody can drive that road. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, we
0: just... Well, it wasn't even a road, really.
2: Yeah, you just... We just kind of drove up There's uh, Basically, like, you're just river. driving
0: on gravel moraines and stuff up exactly. in the mountains.
2: Yeah, because the river's... It's just like, you know, Montana. River's public is between the high water marks, so that's why we drive up the river, because... Oh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: we were there. I don't want to tell you where it is, because you'd be screwing Remy over, but we went into a place to hunt, and... Oh, we, we drove... Did we drive 20 miles? 20 to 30 miles, yeah. Upper river, like just driving up river, like very careful. You can kind of see where vehicles will go. There's a lot of gravel, uh, just like eskers and moraines, gravel bars. You can kind of see now and then you'll see like a route. Sometimes you can't find the route, and you just pick your way up this river. It'd be just like driving up a big braided gravel stream channel, 20 miles. And it was almost kind of arbitrary where we stopped. It was like you couldn't really yeah, go any further. Can't.
2: Well, there's a point where walking is a lot faster. Yeah. But you want to get as far as you can because we had, obviously, a lot of gear, camera, equipment. It's like, might as well drive up as far as we can and then walk from there.
0: Yeah, so we got where you couldn't go any further. And and then it's not far up there. Everything it just turns into glaciers. Yeah. But you hike from there, and you're glassing from the valley floor, and you're glassing up and seeing chamois. Which was rare where we were at.
2: That's like my little secret spot. A rare little pocket chamois.
0: And you're seeing tar, but it'd be like... You're seeing them, but you're seeing them, and it's it's a day investment to go even begin oh. to try to find one.
2: Yeah. But you don't even need a hunting license. No. Well, you kind of do. Oh, what do you need? You, well, it's it's just this thing. You don't buy it, but you fill it out online. So it's it's a, they call it a hunting license. Yeah. nothing we would think of as a Yeah, there's license. no like non-resident tag. Yeah, you have either. to have this special permit that says, oh, I can be in this area. Is it free? Hunting. Yes, it's free. Okay. Just online. I know some of that stuff might change in the future, but as it is right now, you just Boom! Pop online. It's up.
3: interesting because they get you for the uh, fishing tag.
2: Well, yeah, fishing you got to pay for, and duck shooting you have to have a hunting license for, hmm. but not right? geese, geese because they deregulated geese. Uh, yeah, I shot a instead. goose with a rifle there. Oh yeah, which feels which fun. is a weird, very weird fun. feeling. Yeah, the last time I was up that, I went, up, I go up that canyon quite a bit just because it's close to where I'm at, and I I got a double on geese with my rifle. I was pretty is that
3: right? excited. Line <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I got a I got a buddy, and he's like a
0: crack commando of a hunter. He's a guide, and um, he's a doll sheep guide. He just rounded up a couple friends, and they went to New Zealand, just all on their own. Yeah, he did. Some, he just did a bunch of research, talked to everybody he could think of to talk to, and just like hunted public land. Uh, one of them got a stag. Everybody got tar. I sent him into my
2: tar spot. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. 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 yeah he. Uh, I said actually, he got into. He had a good hunt up. The, the place that I always go, it's just kind of like, I, you know, just like anywhere, I'd rather hunt the same place five times than a new place every time. Yeah. Because you just get to learn the ins and outs of it. And uh, they saw some, he was telling me about the stag they saw in there. I was like, why didn't you shoot it, man? He's like, oh, I don't know. It just didn't seem big enough. And I, I went in, I went back in there right after they left looking for it. Try to find Never it. Never found it. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. It was on public land? Show. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. New Zealand trip, man. But here's the thing: I liked it, but it was hard for me because there's no um, the animals are missing their sort of context, their sort of historical context.
2: But maybe it's because From you are around the culture so much. Yeah. Because for me, I go there and you know I like am, I understand where they're coming from. Like I've seen the videos and heard the stories from the old timers and the animals in New Zealand have a very important role in the culture and the culture of hunting because, well, obviously, okay, they're non-native, but how many non-natives do we enjoy here? Brown trout and pheasants and, you know, all kinds of things. And so over there, the culture of hunting is, is just different. You got to like look at it through the lens of a, a, native-born Kiwi hunter, where they were essentially... Not not one who hunts Kiwis. Correct, yeah. (laughs) Essentially, it is based on culling animals, where the animals were released, and then they started to overpopulate. Because there's no big predators. Correct. And so hunting was, they would go out and they would shoot for meat and and control the numbers, and then it became a huge meat market thing where they would go and, and shoot the animals and sell them and then you got into this era yeah, of... Yeah, these
0: guys feed... Their, like, you'll go to a guy that owns dogs. He'll just have, like, a little closet. He just oh, goes, yeah. They'll just shoot animals. That's where you feed your animals with. They just cut I mean, chunks of meat off and throw exactly. it in the dog bed. It's just like, imagine an inexhaustible supply of
2: meat that was always available to you. Yep. You never had to worry about... And so, you go there and, like, venison is so accepted there. Whereas in America, it's like this... It's a hip thing or a new thing or uh, something hunters eat. Not everybody eats venison there. That's that's meat. Like, yeah. that's what you eat because it's everywhere. You don't have to go out and like everybody knows somebody that can go shoot meat.
0: You know, you, you're, you raise a point that I've actually thought of because I mull this over my head all the time. When you bring when you mention pheasant, and brown trout, like for instance, I was I was brought up in Lake Michigan on Lake Michigan, and across the lake we're in Wisconsin right now. I was growing up in Michigan on Lake Michigan, and we grew up fishing steelhead coho king salmon okay yeah now a guy might have come out from california alaska and said to me but dude these are just introduced yeah but to me it was like just an ingrained part of culture and it wound up being that i knew like academically it's like yeah they're not from here but they're from here because they've always like from my perspective born in 1974 they were just here yeah. you know and it, it's like yeah sure i accept that they're non-native and you think about like people you might hunt pheasants in some place your grandpa hunted pheasants exactly it winds up being so but but that's what i'm saying like for a, a stumbling block for me going to new zealand was like, it, like let me just put it this way if i go up, let's say i go up to hunt caribou okay i'm very interested in sort of the ecological history of caribou traditional use patterns among indigenous hunters right Right. The way the animal, like the way it just tied into things about how the first Americans who ever crossed the Bering Land Bridge were probably Caribou hunters. Right, I get, I I find pleasure in that. It makes things like relatable to me in in a deep sense. To go to New Zealand from an outside perspective, I just felt like, yeah, but you just let all this stuff go.
2: Yeah, but it, it felt like yeah. it was yesterday. But it it's not. It, I mean, it's not. there's been you know, it's like okay, I drew a uh. And I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure, well, no, actually, yeah, red, red deer in New Zealand have been there longer than elk have been in the state of Nevada. So you draw this coveted Nevada elk tag, yeah. and you're like, "Woohoo! I just shot a big elk in Nevada, and you don't even think twice about it. Yet you go to New Zealand, and the deer have been there twice as long.
0: That's right, folks. The Meat Eater podcast brought to you by the New Zealand Chamber of Commerce. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, you raise a valid point, dude. You raise a valid point. But it's just when you start talking, if you if you talk to people that grew up in that culture, I mean, there's so much history of the people there in that hunting and the animals and, and what it means to them that you respect. You're like, okay, you grew up doing this. And they have the stories of back when they were shooting them, putting them on helicopters and taking them out overloaded and like guys going into fjordland and these wild wild places trying to hunt elk and other things. There's actually moose released there. It's it's kind They've of like our, our Bigfoot. Yeah. Now, I don't it's, a, it's one of those things where people keep seeing moose tracks every once in a while, but there really are probably no moose left. Are they that good at trackers? <laughs> I don't know. There's there's some pretty good hunters and imagine being able to hunt all the time in mountainous rough terrain and not having yeah, and they all do it seasons, short. Seasons, limits, whatever. <laughs> I mean, these guys are probably some of the best hunters in the world, to be honest. Yeah, that dude that dude that we went pig hunting with. Garen. Uh, yeah. He's been around the block. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, the guys killed thousands and thousands of animals.
0: And, and that get, bush I mean, is get,
2: rough. It is For rough. Me, it no, the mountains are way there. rough. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was some of the sketchiest ground I've ever hunted big game on. Oh, it's it's crazy. I, I went to a place, what oh, was it, last year? And, I mean, I had to cl- cross these glaciers and everything. It's like, where else can you go do that besides maybe the Himalayas and few places in Alaska? Yeah. And go hunt hunt a species that can't be hunted anywhere else in the world, really, like yeah. the Himalayan tar, at least.
3: All right, Remy wins. Let's we'll take a quick break to give a quick shout-out to one of our supporters, Wealthfront.
0: All right, if you like listening to Meteor podcasts Podcast for free, You have to pay special attention to what I'm saying because it's like these boys at Wealthfront help keep Eater podcast free and widely available. It's an automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. So if you want to grow up to be a guy that just hunts and fishes all the time, listen to what I'm saying. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that used to be available just like super wealthy investors for just about one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. And Wealthfront monitors your account around the clock, 24-7, and they automatically rebalance your portfolio, reinvest dividends, and maximize after-tax returns. Again, man, I'm talking about getting where you don't have to work and you just hunt and fish. You got to invest. I used to not be good about it, but I'm better about it now.
3: Launch us back in, (laughs) Andy. What were we on? New Zealand. Crazy bush hunters. All right, so
0: yeah. You've made all kinds of money on Wealthfront, and now you're going to go. Seriously, though, um, have you guys, do you guys worry about your future? Like, Do uh, you do anything
2: to save for the future? Wait, you're saying stockpiling meat in the freezer isn't good enough? <laughs> it depends on – got to watch the prices.
0: You've got to wrap it right so it's still saleable later. Because I have a forced investment thing now. Like, You've heard of a SEP, like a tax thing? No. Every year when I do my taxes, they make you like save some money. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I finally have like money. Yeah, It's only because there's a gun to my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, basically like, you can either save it or give it to us. So I'm like, oh, I'll save it. You're basically deferring paying
2: taxes. Which, nothing wrong with that.
1: No. So well, when I'm old. Three kids, Steve, I, I think probably saving would be a good idea. You know, the whole college thing. Now about, you gotta,
3: I feel like you got to save for the bicycles. Like, I feel like I'm buying a new bicycle every two weeks now. We, we just bought the new Strider bike. You know, I was telling you. Yeah, yeah my three-and-a-half-year-old gets a new Strider bike like six weeks ago. We're striding along. Everything's going great. She can coast it. Well, she just grabs a, uh, a pedal bike from her daycare because she wouldn't leave it alone. So the daycare owner was just like, look, just take this thing home. It's all beat up and rusty. She gets home puts her feet on it, starts pedaling it. Now that thing's so beat up that she's like, I need a bigger one. Look at the bike that girl's got. So yep. It never ends.
0: No. And you can't really deny him because it's like exercise. Like You could be like, no, I'm not buying you a blank. Oh, and the, the, oh you know gr- what? There's the, a housekeeping dude. Bang- We're recording in a hotel, and the housekeeping guy's banging out here. Doug, you talk to those guys? I'll take care of them.
3: Sorry? No, I was just saying that the, the, the Cheshire Cat, Grin on her face when she's riding that bike. I'd buy her as many bikes yeah. as she could ever want. No, I it's, totally understand where you from.
0: You know, I was saying, we had a Strider, and um, my kids smoked the bearings out of it. I don't want to talk about New Zealand anymore because I want to talk about something different. But Yeah. Any, anyone have any concluding thoughts, Doug? What? concluding thoughts?
1: It was a question. And, and Doug I wonder-
0: primarily hunts the same patch of ground he grew up on.
1: Yeah, very much. Yeah, that's exactly right. I wondered about, you said that the government was uh, poisoning and their sharpshooters and all this. Why don't they introduce predators?
2: Oh well, they so so they, they actually have a whole new okay, problem. So during well, I know they're raising sheep. No, during World War II. Well, they that's a problem. They so the rabbits were a problem. So they introduced the weasels and the the weasels and the uh, ferrets. Well. The weasels in the first decided that the native flightless bird species are way easier to kill and eat than rabbits. Uh. That's what, when they brought, in the mon- they
0: brought in, in Hawaii, they had the rat. They brought in the mongoose, mongoose. to take care of the rats, and, just and the, the mongoose is just devastated
1: ground-nesting birds. So you can't get them to the This will piss someone particular off, the, species, writer, the writer,
0: yeah. Tom Robbins, was talking about the rat mongoose thing in Hawaii, and he said, we used to have a crime problem when we brought in cops. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Dur- i know I, j- I just found this out recently though that during uh, world war ii when all the men were away fighting the deer population just exploded You're and they me. actually thought about bringing in mountain lions no way yeah that, that was a legitimate like solution Dude, to i would have
0: been all for it
2: man yeah well imagine like the shepherds though
0: yeah that, what are they gonna up. eat
2: what are the deer gonna eat now or what are the lions going to eat? I would have been deer.
0: for it because I'd have been like, "Listen, it's a crazy zoo now, anyway. Yeah. Let's just go bring for in, it." Let's I think they should I bring it. Let's just do Bengal
2: tigers <laughs> 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 might as well be something that's semi-endangered you know, yeah. or highly endangered. We've got enough mountain lions to set some Bengal tigers loose. Yeah, it's listen.
0: I don't. Here, here's the thing. I, I want to as for my own wrap up on New Zealand. I want to yeah. do my own thing. One thing I felt about New Zealand, and I had a blast there, and like I'll remember it all the time. I hunted a red deer in England, and if I could scrub the memory from my mind, I would scrub it from my mind. No, no. Yeah. I hunted a red deer in Scotland. Scotland. If I could scrub it from my memory, I would. Because it just wasn't. I just didn't care about it. Yeah. It wasn't exciting to me. The system there is not exciting to me. Yeah. It's like. You got, it's like you can only hunt like with the game. The game's all privately owned. You go out with the gamekeeper. He's not even supposed to let you touch the gun till he lines it up. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's like it just it's like old world it scrubs all the adventure from hunting and turns into they get special. they get dressed up in special clothes.
2: But see, that I hunting's about the adventure for me, and New Zealand is, is way adventure. Yeah, listen. Like, that's what I was gonna try to say. Way adventure. Oh yeah. It's a, a long thirty plane miles, ride. Up, thirty f- miles up a a river valley. Well, I, can I tell one of my favorite stories that I e- has ever happened out hunting? Yeah, if you count it as your wrap up. Yeah, okay. With a thirty miles up the river valley, remember we sent uh, when you were here. Oh, the story, tell went, that story. Yeah, that story. Good, nobody's heard this story. No, no. This heard is a this very story. behind the scenes, behind the scenes into the into the workings and dealings of meat eater. And so, this is a great story. You shoot your chamois. And I, my buddy, Ben, who came over from Australia, was he's just hunting around. And so I said, hey, we need some guys to carry equipment, do a little packing. So we've got Ozzy Ben carrying cameras and recharging batteries. So we shoot the chamois, and then we send Ben back to the vehicles to charge some batteries. And I'm thinking... It's past dark. <laughs> yeah, it's point. past dark, and we're back at the hut cooking up dinner and i'm like man where is ben and so no he was supposed to have been gone longer no was he yeah he it, got back early oh okay yeah, yeah so he gets back we thought he'd come back the next day i thought no he was he was gonna come back just after a while and i and we were all just joking around like oh, i wonder if hopefully ben's smart enough not to run the vehicle out of fuel and so we're eating, and Ben comes back, and he just, like, doesn't talk to anyone, no eye contact. And I go, you, you didn't run the fe- vehicle out of fuel, did you, Ben? Just joking around. And he's, like, real quiet. And then we do our thing, and we're eating. And he comes up to me and goes, Remy, I need to have some words. And I thought, <laughs> I thought Ben was pissed that we were making him the grunt, like, I'm sick of carrying your crap. I'm not going to go up the mountain for tar. I- I'm like, oh, great. Now he's going to quit on us yeah. and then I, i'm like we've got this big production crew the pressure's on me because i'm kind of orchestrating the whole inner dealings out there Doug's been in that position yeah and oh, i'm yeah. thinking i'm like oh great <laughs> these guys are gonna be pissed he's gonna quit and he goes uh remy i i don't know how to tell you this and i'm like yeah and i'm expecting him to just be like i'm sick of carrying crap and charging batteries And he goes i shot your truck <laughs> and i look at him and go what do you mean you shot my truck? And I'm like, are you okay? He's like, yeah, well, I was sitting there, and his vehicle, I guess the power plug wasn't working or something, so he gets in my vehicle. He's sitting in the passenger seat, and we shot some geese. with. We had the shotguns ready for shooting geese. And he goes, you know, in Oz, we don't have semi-automatic weapons. And this dude's an engineer. He's a smart guy. And, yeah. We don't have those kind of. We don't have guns those kind in of Australia. guns. In Australia. So I was
0: trying to figure out how it works. Yeah, so he goes. Like, I mean, I so,
2: so he's sitting there and he's just charging batteries for a few hours, just bored. And he pulls. He says he's, he's sitting there. He pulls the thing back. You know, the action back. Looks in there. Pulls it back. And he's just sitting there, flicking the action. Click, 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 click. You know, looks in a few times. Nothing. Oh, there's a button on the bottom. <laughs> Hits the button. Here's the noise, huh? And he's sitting there. Click, 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 click. Flipping the action back and forth out of boredom. Decides to reach down and pull the trigger. Well, there had been shells in the magazine. Not in the chamber. We didn't leave it loaded, but, no. you know, it's fine. To, and we
0: thought it was all adults. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we it adults yeah. that we were in it with adults. Exactly.
2: I mean, you know, I, I leave shells in my magazine. It's not wherever we're at. It's not illegal or anything. And he pulls it back, pulls the trigger, boom. Through the floorboards, blows out the fuel lines. And he... He said that when it went off, it was like shell shock. He opens the door, and he just with his arms <laughs> on the ground. Scare, I mean, it would have to scare oh, you half yeah. the death. Oh, it would be so loud. And then not only that, but now smoke's billowing out, and, and we're 25-something we're we, we, we miles back. Car, we towed yeah. that car 20-something miles. I, I told them that uh, I, I always knew Australians were good shots because they could shoot a truck while it's running. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
2: But, yeah, so we had to tow... That view and multiple river crossings over rough terrain. He's like he didn't blow his toe off. Well, that's why I always set the barrels, you know, barrels down. But do you know my dad
0: carried shotgun pellets in his foot?
2: That's what you're saying.
0: For just ever got shot yeah well i think no i'll tell i'm I'm actually i'm I'm giving a talk tonight at the university i'm going to talk about that story for a minute so i don't want to
2: yeah don't want to ruin it yeah i don't want to blow it because you guys might be the only people there
0: (laughs) you that some bitch talked about this
2: earlier remember the worst though was towing how long did it take about eight hours to get the vehicle back all know. day. It was all day. And, then we and me we and you were, it. I was steering the back vehicles just sucking v- diesel fumes. You're a soldier sucking diesel fumes with me for <laughs> 10 hours. I felt so sick after and that. I, if
0: I remember right. So sick. I repeatedly brought up the idea that we you should did. cut a piece of vacuoles yeah. and patch the line. And someone kept saying, maybe you, that once you run these kind of vehicles out of gas, that doesn't work. Well,
2: because it's a diesel Diesel's, engine. Yeah. They're but no, built on compression. It fixed
0: it and said that's not true. You can fix it.
2: Right. And I didn't, yeah. Well, we, I don't think we could. I was fixed accidentally it. right. You were accidentally right because yeah. we didn't have the proper <laughs> tools to fix it because remember how bent the fuel, I mean, yeah, everything no, was. I,
3: yeah, I, was I had no this.
2: idea what I was talking about, but yeah. ended up well, you, well, being accidentally it was, right. it was more of a general, like, can't we just pull something from somewhere else and patch it up? Yeah. And uh, theoretically, we, we could have. I'm not. Know, I'm not a very good mechanic. No, that's, I my, that's. I bet you're a better mechanic than I am. I doubt it. Maybe we should have a contest.
0: All right, say, yeah. But I want. Yanni yeah, got to wrap up. Because I want to talk about why Remy came back. Quick wrap
3: up to some people listening, because I know I grew up in Michigan, and we could we couldn't even have the ammo like within arm's reach. I think of the gun in the car.
1: Is it the rule something like fully that, enclosed know? case? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, because.
3: Then, not in this state anymore. Well, anymore,
0: because the great governor here got <laughs> no. it where you don't need to have your gun case. That's right.
1: No matter what else, you don't have to back case east, your gun anymore.
3: Mackey's, it's it, it's very strict rules
1: on that. And then you
3: move out west, and it's like in a couple of years, you're used to just having, you know, whether it's, um, you know, shells in your magazine of your shotgun, or you know, uh, rifle cartridges, you know, it, down in your uh, action of your bolt action rifle in the backseat of the truck. It's like totally yeah, normal, right? We just drive around like that. Guy yeah, out go. west
2: I think when did I get my first shotgun I think it was eight nine nine and I was like here's a shotgun and they're like, you can keep it in your room, but you can't have shells in the magazine. <laughs> and I was like, but well, we can have them in the magazine when we're driving around. Yeah. And Dude, my mom's had, like, my had, mom drew the line. She's like, you can have the gun in your room, but you cannot have shells in the magazine. We <laughs> had guns when we were so young. Man.
0: It just seems weird now, man. We'd drive so around weird. on our bikes with slung twenty twos and like I remember, like I didn't even understand at the time, but certain kids weren't allowed to hang out with us. Because you guys were We'd the roll up on toting. our bikes with like mar- like those tube fed Marlin twenty twos <laughs> over our shoulders. Said, Let's go.
2: Yeah, but remember at that time you just felt so old. You are like I am eight. I can have a, a shotgun. Yeah, you know I was like okay. Yeah, your dad, My dad would just be like,
0: don't shoot robins.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we had a long list of birds we were allowed
0: to shoot. Not I am embarrassed to even say what was on that list, but <laughs> chickadees and robins were off. <laughs> we're not on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, one other thing, though. Um, the meat there is good, though. The tar. Oh, it's still so my favorite. A, when we killed a tar, we made, remember, we made barbecue?
1: Tar, tar, tar? Tar, tar.
0: It was fun. All right, that's not what I want to talk about. So, Remy, you came back in town because you knew shoulder on. Exactly. Now, when I met Remy, I met Remy when I went to hunt in New Zealand with him. Um, you had already been doing some television.
2: Yeah, I'd been doing solo hunters for about a year, two years, something like that. Yeah. By then, yeah, yeah. I wanted Remy to come on
0: and be like, uh, like when I was on vacation, I wanted Remy to host Meat Eater, but he has got his whole new damn show now.
2: I'll, I'll still come on. I'll just be like, <laughs> Today we're gonna cook up. What's the worst thing you could think of to eat? We've already eaten a coyote, and I saw you eat a monkey. Is there anything? Just for me, it's just folks. Yeah. <laughs> I think that can be arranged. No,
3: Red fox and hedgehog are on the list. Not hedgehog, groundhog. Groundhog.
2: Hedgehog
3: Hedgehog's you've already eaten.
2: Hedgehogs live in England.
3: You can't kill a hedgehog; they're too adorable. Well, whatever the <laughs> one is back east. Not the not the, the trary, Not Wood the woodchucks groundhog. groundhog. and groundhogs. Yeah. woodchucks. Wood Same damn yeah. thing. We All might right. be able to. We might, might
1: be able to arrange a
0: woodchuck. We're going to dogs and woodchucks. It's a good time of year to get them too. They spend a lot of time out of their burrow right now. So, anyways, now, Rammy's been working with. Yeah. Um, same folks who made make Meat Eater to launch a new show Apex Predator. Talk about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, what we were, tr- my thought was, I think if you watch Apex Apex Predator is just a show you have to watch to understand. Yeah, because it's not necessarily a hunting show, and especially coming from a guy like me, my life is hunting, but straight hunt, straight hunting. I mean, I guide for a living i write for western hunting articles and magazines i do solo hunters yeah, Remi, well i want to hunting. bring this up
0: i got to here's i want to know you from reading your articles in western hunter right and which is which is and funny. i said i want to meet this guy because you'd write great articles i remember you had a great article about like you do a lot of stuff like self-guided stuff how to like get away from the crowds backcountry junk you read this you had this really cool article about like trying to find like hunt mule deer in high pressure areas in nevada yeah
2: it's funny that uh well when i got the first email from you you were talking about hunting in montana i think you know looking to looking for some ideas in montana i was like i'm going to new zealand in a month or so want to join me like yes i think
0: i might even got your contact from chris denham i think so western
2: hunter magazine yeah which is funny because you, you sent the email you know you're and, and I, I'd watched, um, oh, now I can't even remember the name. Uh Wild Within. Wild Within. Yeah. yeah, and I I loved that show. And I, it was funny because uh, I, I'd been talking about that show before I got your email. And then I was like, that's strange. The guy that's on that show just sent me an email. It was like the most random email I'd ever received, probably. But it turned out being pretty cool. You're able to go to New Zealand. And,
0: yeah, so yeah. then we met, and I was like, yeah, I really wanted to work with you more. So talk about apex though. Yeah, so like like just give the I mean, give
2: what it is. Okay, so like what it's a study on? It's it's looking at the way humans are have become or are the top predators, and there's a lot of factors that go into it. But I have this thought that we can look at like if you look at every animal on the planet, they're all they all fill a niche. They're specially adapted. They do something specific to survive, and that 's how they get by surviving, whether it 's a predator animal or a prey animal, they all fill a certain spot, and they 're all really good at something. But as humans, we can look at something that nature has specialized in and try to mimic it for our own hunting tactics, our own hunting style, or it, it, it really like the more we do the show, it amazes me how much we actually compare or can compare to these animals that we think are are way out of our league or hunt so different than us. We've taken a lot of tactics and a lot of things from a lot of different aspects in nature. And one of one of the things that got me thinking about doing a show like this, I was hunting elk in Montana. And it was the very first time I saw a wolf. And I'm I'm walking and I see this wolf. Wow! It was thirty yards away, and at this point, this is before you saw wolves in Montana. Yeah, yeah. You know, now it's, yeah. This was like Mid-90s. I mean, I was ecstatic. I'd never seen a wolf in my life, and this was awesome. And it was just kind of looking at me. I get my video camera out. I'm like trying to film it, and uh, cool, I saw a wolf today. So I go and I've been. Stalked. Where was that? This was in the Bitterroot Valley oh. in Montana. Do you remember what year it was? Uh, I can think it was. Uh, 2002. Okay. Yeah, something like that. Maybe 2000. Yeah, 2000. And, you know, and so I, I see this wolf, and, I, and I've and i been hunting this specific bull elk. I'd passed up a lot of elk. I was hunting one big bull that was behind my place. So I, I see the elk out on this far ridge. So I, I walk around, and I get set up, and I'm on the backside of this ridge, and the herd elk's there. Well, sure enough... Here comes the wolf hunting the same elk, and I only saw the one, so I don't know if he was just hunting alone, which a lot of people always talk about him hunting in packs. Most of the, all the elk that I've witnessed get killed by wolves have been single wolves. Is that right? Yep. Never seen a pack attack wolves. I've only, I've seen four elk killed personally, just visually watched elk getting killed. They've all been by single wolves. You're shitting me. No. and That's interesting. Two cows, two bulls. Two spikes. Hmm. Yep. Two cows, two bulls. And so anyways, the wolf goes and gets the elk running. And I'm like, damn it. And it's a hot. It's one of those early, early September days. But I thought, I just, in my mind, I was like, I know this area so well. I know where those elk are going. And they had this up and down, up and down, up and down. And you watch them come up just after the first rise. Their tongues are hanging out. They're I mean you've you've seen it, you know, like they get, it's just like running a horse uphill. They get tired fast. A lot of people don't you think like you could never catch up to an elk. And I thought I'm just gonna run straight up this ridge and try to cut them off. So I literally started sprinting to the top. And I get to where I mean it's probably I think it's five, six miles away, but I just ran up to the top, took my route. I could see them going up and down the ridges, and I get to the spot where I think they're coming up, and they are dead tired. By this point, they're walking. Their tongues are hanging out. The vein, You can see the veins in their face. Like, they just look gassed, and I stand behind a tree, and all the elk start walking by, just looking about half dead tired at probably the furthest were 20 yards, like, whip out my camera i take a few pictures and the bull never showed up and i think what happened was because his antlers were so heavy he took a different route he took a different route he went down because i ended up walking down and seeing two other bulls that were smaller lower but it just put into my mind at that point that's exactly how the wolf would have hunted them and i would have never thought in a million years you could catch up to yeah, a herd. everybody yeah. says once you spook elk they're gone Ten miles, you'll never find them again. It, well, there's some validity yeah, to that because a lot it, of people aren't going to right. But in uh, well, in, in heavy timber, it's fairly yeah. open, open country. But they do get gassed. I mean, they don't have the ability to sweat like we do, or they're they're a large animal running in the heat up steep, up and down steep yeah, mountains. And just by knowing the terrain and other things, I was able to catch up to them. And had the bull gone that route, I would have killed it. You know, I got some cool pictures. I still have that picture on my fridge. It was like the first time. And and then walking, uh, you know, so fast forward a few years. I was out guiding one day, and I, you know, as a guide, you, you have to get really good at killing elk in a certain amount of time. So you know, like you can't mess up. You know where they hide, where they do this. where they, You have to know them so well because each week we're killing two public land elk for 10 weeks which you just got to be on it so i know these elk pretty well and i have certain routes that i walk in certain mountains because i know where they prefer like you look at the whole mountain the elk will be in one spot you could be a million acres and they're going to be on a hundred of it
0: yeah and you get the sense that if you killed every elk on that mountain range
2: and let new elk come in they would do the they same thing. They would be thing. in the same spot. Right. And and I have a certain way that I walk this ridge because I know the way that the, the thermals go in the morning, the winds, the, the way that I can come in through the trees and be hidden at this point where they like to bed. Then I walk up and do this. So I'm walking my route, which has worked forever, and I see some wolf tracks. And it surprised me. The wolf was hunting that mountain the exact same route that I take. That right. So here's another hunter that hunts every day. And it's like I figured out something. Like it's it was just like we are so similar. We hunt he knows where these elk bed to. He knows the route. He knows and we're hunting them in the exact same fashion. It was crazy to me. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And so I started thinking about it and I thought, okay, what other animals can we learn from or emulate? Like if if I just watched how the wolf did things, I would probably come to the conclusion that it took me 10 years to figure out this route. And here, he's hunting every day. He has this knowledge. And as predators, we do things in a very similar way. And so I thought, what other animals are out there that I can learn from? What tactics can I take away from an alligator or a great blue heron or a river otter? You know what's funny?
0: we, We one time, we're in Michigan's UP. And we watched river otters catching yeah. fish. We're like, what the hell are they catching? We realized they're catching giant perch out of this river. And then it went back and caught perch.
2: Really? We would have never known about that spot
0: if it wasn't for those otters.
2: Just, yeah. yeah just like, just I, like I had
0: no idea, dude.
2: And you can, see, you can probably see you probably see where the, the lines and the, like, you know, fish will hold. It's the same. In, even in a river, Certain fish will hold certain currents. Because yeah. what I do a lot before I go, if I go to a new river, I put on a snorkel and I float down the river and see visually where the fish are and how they're holding what their kind occurrence. of stuff they like yeah. and then I go and walk up that river and I catch 10 times the amount of fish because I know exactly where those fish are sitting like I know the seam to cast it because yeah. you know where the big fish are in the river no, I totally and other that, things yeah. but even just by if you just watch the otter like what what lines are he, is he taking because that's the line where the fish are holding yeah. You can you can learn a lot. So how many uh, so how many predators you, like in, in apex predator? How many predators do you guys explore? So far, we've done we've done six. And when we are talking about name, you know, I I see it as looking at all of nature, other things, not necessarily predators, because I think that there's prey animals that could. I mean, think of our camouflage patterns and other things. Yeah. I mean, it's not just humans are essentially an apex predator, and I, I first want to look at. Predators, but also take a look at other animals that necessarily may not be apex predators, or or it could be predators, could be non predators. But so far, we've looked at the golden eagle, the wolf, the river otter, the great blue heron, and that Catlin painting about yep. the wolf skins. Which, dude, yeah, yeah he helped. Me yeah, there's a
0: famous Catlin painting where was, uh, he painted a couple. two dudes, right? Yep. Two Plains, guys Plains, Indians, Plains hiding Indians hiding under uh,
2: wolf skins, and that see that right there is looking to, appro- at, to approach a herd of buffalo, yeah. and, and that falls wolves. within the way that we're looking at it because obviously they observed animal behavior and figured out a way to make it work for them. Oh yeah, I mean, as, as you mentioned in, in that episode, the bison when they see an upright human know that if they run, they're safe because the humans can't catch them. But if they run from the wolf, the way the wolf hunts is by getting it to run. If they stand there, the wolf won't attack them because it knows it's outweighed, outmatched. So they saw, oh, when the wolves are there, the bison stand there. Let's throw a wolf skin over our back, and then we can sh- spear them or shoot them with our bows or whatever.
0: Yeah, no, it's, uh, that, like, that has to be just like direct observation.
2: Direct observation. Yeah. And, and then there's the thought of, well, the first episode was the... The alligator, and and
0: that one like so so, eight, wh- what days is Apex on? It's so on
2: Thursday, eight p.m.
0: Yeah, so it's say I feel like uh, it's the same slot. It Meat. is It's the same yeah. slot as Meat Eater.
2: Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm just so, riding your wave. <laughs> yeah, Meat Eater's
0: not on the air right now, but Apex is on the yeah, air there. Right yeah, you. you guys only run one. It's probably on repeat a little bit.
2: Yeah, it's uh, eight, and then it's sometime in the morning, and then yeah. whatever. So you did the alligator one. Yes, which is cool as hell. The alligator. And then this week...
0: Talk about that. Talk about like... Like in the alligator one, like Remy hangs out with people who know a lot about alligators. They kind of talk about their strategy. How would you describe an alligator's hunting strategy?
2: I, I describe an alligator strategy as... A, they're they're a lion weight predator, but the way I see it is they're a living trap that goes and sets themselves. It's it's just like... Yeah, what good. I could relate their hunting strategy to the best is either trapping or stand hunting. They aren't... Uh, a spot and stock type animal. They, like where a lion sees the prey, sneaks in, and kills it. The alligator is just based on patience. And that's something Western hunters like myself do not have. Yeah. I have happy feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, when you can go 100 miles, if, if someone's like, you can go 100 miles if you want it, and you're going to go 100 miles. No, I'm a, cry, gonna, I'm a cr- To my own, well, I
0: shouldn't say to my own detriment, because it makes me happy. Yeah. But like at times, to my own detriment, as a guy that wants to be a successful hunter, I walk too much. But then I can't be like, what, I should be less happy? Right. (laughs) I should be less happy and walk less. It's like I just like to walk. Right. But
2: anyways, yeah, they don't. Gators. the gators don't. (laughs) And then, so we set up the task. The way the show is, is we set up, I wouldn't even call them challenges, because what I'm trying to do is learn from the, the lens of that animal, because- Originally, well, you know, when you're starting a new show, you've got these ideas in your head of how it's going to work out. Yeah. And it just doesn't ever happen like that. Especially, like, let's go try to grab a pig with, our hand, with my hands in the swamps of Florida. And the focus was on the task of grabbing the pig. And what it turned out to be was learning from the alligator. And I was like, yeah, that should be the point. What am I trying to learn here? Because it was about the patience. It was about setting the trap and really blending in with the environment because the way the show works is we look at the animal and then we go and do what i like to call the training aspect or the human comparison aspect where we compare humans to that animal and yeah like talk to what, like, what is the field. difference
0: why can the alligator lay in the water right what's so long and his vision's good and
2: like what makes it that you can't lay in the water like that? Yeah, with you was like freezing your ass off. Well, yeah, you think about it. Humans can get hypothermia in seventy degree bath water, which is you think about. Oh, yeah, right. No, you you do your body does degrade, and there is when we did the test with the broad jump and and the body temperature, your body temperature goes down pretty fast, and you lose your heat quickly. You lose your full physical potential within five minutes. Not saying that you you couldn't perform the task, but you aren't what you, where the alligator can sit in that, they sit out all day and they can conserve that energy for hours and hours and hours because they have a slow heart rate. They're cold blooded. So they heat up and then they kind of, they essentially assume their environment. And that's a lot, a lot of this show. I find things that are very similar between animals that kind of put into the perspective of me as a human of how to assume the environment and be more natural. You think about, you ever be out hunting and an animal just like looks in your direction or whatever and it knows you're there and you think how does this animal even know? Yeah, or and they I, look, or they look a, right or they look right through you and they can't register. It. Right, yeah. and I think it has a lot to do with how even even walking like there's certain people that walk through the woods and the animals start running or another person that can walk through the woods and it doesn't bother them mm-hmm. and I think it's a lot of how you meld into your environment. And especially the, kind of, the kind of movements. The kind of movements, the how familiar you are with, with the area and the land and other things. But but there's a lot of things that I've noticed throughout Predators that I wouldn't have noticed without doing this. And a lot of it is just blending in with your environment, being comfortable, and a lot of things about us as humans that oh man, we actually are a lot better at some of these things with if we, we could train to do it as well as some of these other animals
0: yeah like in your guys wolf episode when's that air coming up that's coming
2: yeah that's not this next one but the following so in this wolf episode remy's exploring the
0: idea of of chasing the elk like a wolf does yeah right just like that you just get on them and just go and go and go and go and, and go and eventually catch, and catch, eventually catch yeah. them and remy goes into this place to test his uh VO2 max, VO2 max, like how well you—it's like how well you take and process oxygen, right?
2: Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's your it measures your endurance capabilities. It Doesn't necessarily measure how it's just like your your endurance potential. So what yep. you could potentially do if you trained up to it. Yeah, yeah. like how well you could pull in to restore depleted muscle with oxygen. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and where your where your body goes. Anaerobic. And you had a
0: good score, but yeah. then the dude, but then a the dude tells you what a wolf has, and it's yeah,
2: you can't you can't even compare to
0: it. Yeah, it's like you're just not gonna. Right, you're you not gonna compare. You're never gonna run like a wolf. No,
3: we're to start breeding that Indian. I guess. Yeah, maybe. Well, a, a lot of kids that kids or grandkids. What is happen. the
2: like? Tell, what, what was yours? And what's the wolf's? Do you remember? Yeah, well, my VO2 max was like eighty-three point three, and a wolf's can be over three hundred. But <laughs> then, see, the other thing that I learned though is some of the stuff. I, a lot of it's just genetic or because the 83.3 i guess they did like lance armstrong was like 86 while he was blood doping yeah. or something like that like it's in mine just so happened to be like naturally high naturally high it's just like in the top probably one percentile of of people but i think that's pretty genetic because my family's i'm just in a family of endurance type athletes yeah uh, even like my grandma's finished Iron Man's over the age of 50. Last year. Yeah. No, she's <laughs> like 70 now, but she still she still goes every year for her birthday. She goes and hikes this we hike this big mountain. It's like she'll do that forever. Is, is, I would think as long as she can. But a lot of it yeah, and then there's aspects where you can't even compare to these animals. But we have the advantage of it all comes down to our brains. We can devise ways to improvise where these animals have to rely on their natural ability. We can kind of, we can strategize. Yeah, borrow stuff. Exactly. Borrow things, create things, and try to outthink things. You like to think you could outsmart an elk or a deer, but sometimes it's a lot harder than you anticipate
0: did you know rocket money can cancel a subscription for you they'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you i can see my subscriptions in one place and if i see something i don't want rocket money can help me cancel it with just a few taps you wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions they don't use this happened to me it's annoying this helps you find it out and get rid of it Features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com/slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. The single most valuable tool I have for chasing turkeys next to my scatter gun is the onyx Hunt app. If I'm hunting turkeys, I'm using onyx If I'm not hunting turkeys, I'm using Onyx. I'm always using Onyx. I live by that stuff. I can't tell you the number of birds this app has put me on by allowing me to easily find new areas to hunt. It's invaluable. I use it all the time. Even properties I know super well. And I'm at my buddy Bubbly Doug's house. I'm using Onyx, and I've hunted this place a million times. With their compass mode, I can pinpoint exactly on the map where a gobble rang out from, and then figure out the perfect spot to set up. Meaning, if I'm sitting there, let's say I'm at Bubbly Doug's, and I'm in the navel, and I hear, pow! I'll, like, instinctively pull up Bubbly Doug's place on on X and I'll look at the topography and I'll be like oh that sucker must be over in that little opening over there waypoints also and the ability to share them okay comes in handy every spring whether that's revisiting old waypoints where I've been on birds before or sharing them to buddies to help put them on birds. This app will help you find more turkeys. On X Hunt has a special offer for you too. Use code ME Eater to receive 20% off your membership at onxmapscom hunt this turkey season. Man, I just got a new truck. Before I even drove my new truck anywhere, I wasn't gonna drive it anywhere until I put a deck system in it. That's how, that's what a believer I am in decked. I always thought they were a great deal, but now they're even better because they have redesigned their drawer system in storage cases from the ground up. It's like, I didn't know there was a problem with them. I don't know, they seem great to me. It's just an improvement on perfection. The new system, made in the USA, gives you 10 to 30% bigger drawers to fit more gear. It's lockable and secure, right? Weatherproof storage for all your gear. You build it right into your truck bed. You still have a truck bed you can put stuff on. The top deck of the new system has eight D-ring tie-downs integrated into the steel. So you have really burly anchor points to hook stuff down on your bed. So you got to slam on the brakes or take off real fast. Nothing shifts. And like I said, they're, they're D-rings that lay real flat. Like You still slide stuff right across the deck. It doesn't catch on the D-rings. The D-rings are built in. The drawer system fits any truck or van on the road in the USA from the last 20-plus years. Deck is a game-changer. There's no more, like, leaving stuff at home that you wish you had with you. The stuff I want in my truck is in my truck, out of the way, and secure. Go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping. I think it's a big part of hunting, though. I think that the, what's... The show demonstrates to me, like, a type of reverence for wildlife that I think is essential for a hunter to have. Yeah. Like, I... I I was talking about my old man earlier, like, we'd have, you know, what we were supposed to shoot and didn't shoot, and um, he's been dead a long time, but I remember, like, he was, he has such a, like, myopic vision about wildlife that if it wasn't a game bird, it was a Tweety bird. Right, (laughs) yeah. No fault to him. Like, he didn't grow up in a hunting, you know, he invented hunting for our family, you know, he didn't grow up in a hunting household. He was raised by, like, Italian immigrants. Hmm. grandparents you know like they just like the last thing on their mind was appreciating wildlife living in chicago trying to make ends meet yeah you know, very modest upbringing during the depression right so he didn't learn that like i try to teach my kids to like really love wildlife you know and i haven't introduced them to the idea of that there's desirable and non-desirable you know it's just like learn your birds yeah. love wildlife but like a lot of hunters man it's like really easy to get in that sort of like good guy bad guy attitude about yeah. wildlife, I remember I, was, I duck hunted with some guys, and they had in their mind there was mallards, and there was a term scrap duck, right? <laughs> you know, which I think it's like a it's disrespectful. Yeah, it breeds a sort of disrespect to be that um, like oh if you if if there's no use to me, right? If this species is of no immediate use to
2: me as a hunter, it doesn't warrant my observation. Yeah, and I think. There is that approach, but how many, I think a lot of hunters, well, maybe I'm just talking about myself here, but I love every aspect of being out there. Yeah. It's not just that one animal. It's hunters, a lot of, it's hard to explain to non-hunters because hunters love animals. I've always admired animals. That's the reason that I started hunting because I liked animals so much. But for me, it was... I remember being a kid flipping through those animal cards or animal fact sheets, like I would collect them. I would my thing was animals. I loved figuring out what they did, how they lived, and that's why when I got into hunting, it was I could become a part of their system and that's yeah. what really felt cool to me is i I liked the idea of when I first went out hunting, almost this feeling of when I shot a bird, it was now it was now my bird. That I was a part of, like, yeah. the birds are out there. I could see the animals at a distance, but now hunting, it put me in that situation where that bird is now mine. Now I can eat that bird. And it was just this cool feeling of being a part of it. Like, immersed, not just looking at. I was recently... It's so hard to explain.
0: You no, know, I was recently having this conversation. I was out hunting with a first-time hunter. And I was explaining that um, that I'm sort of the opposite of a Buddhist, you know, because... When I do, like, I, I'm interested. I try to be interested in all animals. I try to study all animals. But I always, it always, for me, just like Apex Predator, the show, it always winds up being, like, sort of, like, coming back around to, in some way, me. Yeah. To like, what does it mean for me? Right. Like, I love a piece of information that when you hear a pine, like, you, like, if you're not a hunter, you might be out in the woods and hear pine squirrel chattering. Yeah. You might just be like, oh, the pine squirrel's out chattering. And I, and I hear it, but what I hear is that pine squirrel's pissed right about something yeah and he might be pissed about something far away and i mean he's not pissed about me something is pissing that thing off it could be i've heard him bark at elk. they really bark at bears right yeah so it's like you hear that and that's like sending a message to me so i'm interested in pine squirrels i've eaten them but i don't like hunt pine squirrels i'm interested in pine squirrels i want to know everything i can know about them I was fascinated to hear that they're a big predator of snowshoe hares, one of the leading snowshoe hare predators.
2: I did not know that. That's crazy.
0: And that when they chirp, they're pissed at something, and it's not a noise you should ignore. There's an animal over there making him real mad. So I love them for their own sake, but I do internalize it in some way where I'm like, okay, I like this animal, but what does he mean to me? What does he mean for me? The same way I've many times found... Dead animals and other interesting things by just observing like you see a bunch of ravens up in a tree circling around, getting all excited. It means probably something. something dead laying over there. Yep. I have a multi-tool that I still own that I was just watching a bunch of ravens once and walked over there and found, you know, four uh four moose hooves and a multi tool. Really? Yeah. Some yeah. dude like gutted a moose and left his multi-tool laying there. And so I'm like, yeah, I dig ravens. I like their body language and and I and, and you know, I just can't help but personalize it. An Apex predator is cool because like, it just it acknowledges that. like you look at one like herons, you know? yeah. what's is, what is the heron doing when he's standing out there? Like why like, how does he do what he does? You know?
2: when, when he's hunting?
0: Yeah, so I'm saying I mean it's like you look at it and it just is a reasonable question. like how does he do what he
2: does exactly. So well, and, and the other thing is you look at the heron and you just how different does that bird look than other birds? Quite a bit different. Like why is he look like that? Where what what process made him the largest? Yeah. What process made him like and, and you look at the way and sometimes you look like I always thought my assumption of the heron and just a naive assumption that I would see him when I'm out fishing. And I'd always do just just so you
0: guys know they, like Remy did a did an apex episode yeah, on herons. On herons. Yeah.
2: And so one of the reasons I wanted to do the heron is because I, I remember seeing that bird and thinking, like, as a as a kid going, it's a, it's a dinosaur. It looks crazy. And then as a fisherman, how many times are you out there seeing a heron? And you, you almost kind of curse the heron, like, he's taking your fish. Yeah. You know, because you see him as, like, it's so easy. If I could just go spear these fish, I would have, like, I would, and I've got this rod, and I'm having trouble catching fish, and I look over, and this heron's got a five-pound trout lodged in his throat. It's about to die, you know? And... You look at it, and I always – I had this naive assumption that the heron – it was easy for the heron. He'd just spear these fish, and he could pretty much have his pick. Like he was taking my fish. He barely had to work for it. So I kind of almost – I liked them, and I thought, wow, that would be cool to be able to do. But I almost had this as a fisherman, this weird – oh, he's he's my yeah, competitor. I, I, my dad yeah. used to
0: have friends that uh, were big trout fishermen, and they'd <clears throat> carry a pistol to shoot at river otters.
2: Yeah, and and, and, and like, so otters are getting all the fish. And so doing this, I go okay. So that my assumption going into the heron episode was, oh, this is a cruisy. I'm just going to be up there and spearing fish. And then I started watching. I, I really started looking at the herons, and most of the things they were eating is just small. Like they were scrounging for their food. And then I go and attempt to be like the heron, which seems ridiculous as I, I put some stilts on and get in the river. And I had so much trouble, it wasn't even funny. Yeah. And then I realized, I see why the heron's scrounging for food, because it's not easy. Yeah. <laughs> it's life is not easy. It, it's a big-body bird that has to catch a lot of food in difficult situations, so they'll catch anything. Spend so a lot confu- of time hunt. Exactly. I mean, they spend all day, a lot of times all night, just trying to scrounge up a meal. And when I thought it'd just be this cruisy mission of going out there and having all the advantage... You realize, okay, this is the Heron's life. And then I learned a lot of things on, okay, yeah, you have to be patient. You have to pick your spot well. You have to take advantage of opportunities. Yeah, trial and error. Trial and error. Yeah.
0: You know, my old man, he used to, he didn't make live wells. You know, like a washing machine, how they have the tub, the yeah. perforated tub in a washing machine? He used to just pull steel ones, pull the steel tubs, and he used to make them out of steel. Yeah. And just set it in the water with a couple of bricks in it. If you guys are hearing like, what sounds like just a constant scratching and rattling, that's, that's Doug Dern playing with his headset. Trying not to <laughs> cough into the <laughs> microphone. All right, so my man had this, these steel wash tubs, <clears throat> and he used them for a live well. So we just set it in the water and put a couple of bricks in the bottom to keep them from floating away. And as we caught bluegills on our dock where I grew up, we'd throw them in the live well. And then when it was enough to bother scaling them and flaying them, we'd scale them and flay them. And it's perfect, so they're getting aeration, you know? Yeah. And the herons used to land way down the beach and pull a painstaking stalk. On that tub. On the live well. They never just got like, they never understood I'm just going to land there and eat it. They're like, they land way down, and they just start sneaking and sneaking and sneaking, and get up and whack. Bluegill, you know, yeah. fun to watch, man. Yeah, that, but they had to like reach over the edge, you know, to get down in there. But they pick it up, the vibration from the fish or something,
2: you know. Yeah, I think that, and they have almost like polarized, but he's not seen through so, there, he's not seen. So they're underneath, under the water, feeling the vibration. in a perforated yeah.
0: steel tub. But I feel like they would, I don't know, they would just feel the vibrations with their feet or something, something they would, yeah, yeah they'd know that those fish were there.
2: Because that's what, even in the muddy water, there's a lot, like the herons would actually walk and kick up small prey, and then they would essentially jab where they thought oh it's yeah. going. like a bonefish does. Yeah, they yeah. just kind of like push things up with their feet, and then as they felt it swim away, go for it. But it's a lot. They also have to deal with things that we have to deal with as well, like water refraction and, and, and other things that make it hard spearfish underwater when you're above. And then imagine not having good water visibility or clarity or low densities. Yeah. Just makes it it's, it's a hard knock life for the heron. When you think you look at him on the beach going, Oh yeah, do that, that, that bastard. Do he that is grain. a yeah, he's got it made. And that's not the case all the time. Yeah. No, that's good stuff, man. So Thursdays. Thursday, eight PM uh, watch it. And then what's really cool is if you don't have television
0: oh we forgot to say it's on sports it's not it's the on same sports it's not the channel. same network yeah. same
2: network same time sports channel. So, so if you i wonder you you may be of tivo meat eater like maybe i wonder if it's on that time slot or if it's on the name and it may just pop up. it's probably on the name though but if you are a meat eater fan which most people listening i imagine are you can just tune into the same same bat time same bat channel different right. show.
0: and if mugs want to check you out on on uh Twitter, Facebook, what should
2: they do? Uh, at Remy Warren or Apex Predator TV. But see, I'm I'm more of a non-traditional media user myself. Yeah, traveling all the time, I like to watch stuff on my Netflix, internet-based stuff. So the bonus part is, if you don't have the network or you don't have TV, you can go to Apex Predator TV and just click on buy the episode or the season and the. Time it airs. Is that a VHX deal? VHX or what? deal. Oh, okay. So when it airs on Sportsman's Channel, like that week, you get it in your inbox. Yeah, so, so you can get. So you you can don't get have it. to wait till the end of the season. You yeah, get you it get meet- that meet- night. But, no, because meat like
0: MeatEater. MeatEater. VHX. Go yeah, to
2: for- ApexPredator. TV. That's it. Yep. And then it'll. There's the link for the VHX. It's all right there, and yeah, you get it, and it'll. It. I think it downloads at nine, eight th- it 8.30 p.m you get you can, you can stream get the it or download yeah, it. Exactly. Can you buy a single episode? You can buy a single episode. Or I'm pretty sure you can get the seat. You What's a single episode worth?
3: $2.99. Sweet.
2: Worth checking out. And yeah. you don't have to wait till the end. You just oh yeah, while everyone else is watching it, you just wait 30 minutes, boom. Yep. You got it. For those that don't uh, don't have television, which there's probably quite a few out there that don't.
0: I, yeah, I no, didn't no, for no, the longest deal, time. Man. So two ninety nine. It's worth that. Yeah. You'll learn that much worth of stuff.
3: Yeah. Definitely. So. If you want to see those old meat eater episodes with Remy and Steve in that sweet New Zealand country we were talking about, you can go to meat, eater. Those meat are, TV and it's in volume three.
0: Or if you go to com, you'll find links to go find and download those episodes. Yeah. And we sell, like meat eaters are up in these little blocks. of; They're all in one block.
2: The New Zealand ones. You can buy all yeah.
0: the New Zealand shows. You'll be able to see, like a lot of the stuff we covered about New Zealand. It's kind of like if you watch those all together, you'll kind of get, you know, you'll get the kind of you'll get the picture. New Zealand. Those are it's, some of my
2: favorite episodes. They're good, man. The just the visual, it just looks awesome. Yeah. Well, and then crossing the river was pretty sweet. Yeah. I I rewatched those ones all. The time. I'm like that. They're great, man. We had a uh, mo. Yeah, he didn't know. Diamond done Mo a good, Fallon, man. Done a good job.
0: He's like just a great, great cinematographer, and he shot those episodes and they're beautiful, man.
2: We shouldn't have tied that rope to you, but I don't care. We did it, gone and done it. Yeah. Step stupid. one never tie yourself to a rope across a river. I don't know. Live a tell tale. Exactly. All right, concluding thoughts, Yanni. Oh!
0: Yanni's got his Hunt to Eat T shirt on. Go to um go to what is it, Hunt to Eat? Dot .com. Hunt. Yep. Go buy one of Yanni's t-shirts. hunt eat.com.
2: Thank you. That's Yanni's concluding thought, Remy. I I'm going to go buy a hunt to eat t-shirt. And then Are you really? Yeah. I, I
3: I like this one. Yanni never has them in stock. He sells them out faster than they can print them. They look pretty sweet. We have we have some that Hopefully by the time this uh, this podcast airs, we'll be yeah, back tomorrow. We'll be back in stock. Yeah, Bitcoin they should be market. back in stock. Like today or tomorrow. Com,
0: Buy Remy's T shirt. No, buy Yanni's T shirt. And then because then Yanni's gonna take all of his money and in, in,
2: in, in invest it in Wealthfront.
0: There you go. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and bicycles and <laughs> and,
3: bicycles. and,
2: <laughs> and uh, fantasy football or baseball. And uh, then he's gonna come out in New Zealand.
0: Concluding thoughts.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you oh, haven't don't seen worry the show, about Yanni. Don't worry about Yanni hunting.
0: Oh, I'm not worried. Because Yanni used to be a hunting guy. Then he came to work with us. But the other day, we had a day off.
2: Just blasting turkeys. Goes out, got
0: a turkey. See?
2: Living life. He don't, he, don't worry about that, kid. All right. Concluding no, thoughts? Uh, if you have not seen Apex Predator, you have to check it out. And you can do so on apexpredator.tv or Sportsman's channel. So what's Apex. the website, though? Apex oh, apexpredator.tv. Or oh, www.apexpredator.tv. Easy. Yeah, anybody can remember that. Yeah, and then, obviously, if uh, we've got my favorite thing about the show is our web videos. If you want to have a good laugh or see something crazy, you have to check out our web videos. Yeah, so go check out some content. So, you, can yeah, see we've Remy, got, you can see what Remy looks like. We've got some You're crazy not married stuff. yet, are you? I am not married. Remy's still in the market. I'm, I am single. Wow. Yeah. Ladies. You know what? But that's that's what you get when you travel around. How old are you, Remy? 24-7. I just turned 30 few weeks ago do you have a large investment portfolio uh yeah i've got a large portfolio yeah okay so <laughs> remy <laughs>
0: remy he's got a huge investment portfolio single four freezers four freezers good looking kid doug doug's married
1: have any thoughts i'm excited about this 299 deal on the apex predator because i don't have cable anymore and so I'm, That's I'm it. In. Did you buy one of Yanni's T-shirts yet? That's the next thing I'm doing. Two XL, you know, We have those in stock. All right. How much? In stock.
3: Same price as the other ones. Twenty four ninety five. Doesn't cost any extra to be a big guy.
0: So twenty five dollars plus three bucks to buy one of Remy's shows. Twenty eight bucks.
1: I get that You'll money. In my pocket. Can I get it? You'll right be again?
0: looking good and watching good. All right. That's it. I don't have any concluding thoughts. My concluding thought is. Um, we get a lot of people who are always uh, um, writing in to ask, like a good bang for your buck elk hunt because they want, they live in the east. And they want to go out and do an elk hunt.
2: Check out Remy too for that. You know, good elk hunts. Yeah, affordable elk hunts. I'm pretty uh, pretty jam packed though. All right, never mind. Yeah. Don't go talk to Remy. But just
0: go out and if, hunt, I, if you go out and hunt Doug's place. Come yeah, in from the, go. <laughs> <laughs> <Just> <laughs>
1: from
0: the backside. There aren't any elk there. Though. Coming from the backside and shoot a giant whitetail in Doug's place. <laughs> Go with the bow. Uh, go with the bow and hunt weekdays. <laughs> you yeah, have you placed yourself. No one's going to hear enough to say nothing. All right, kids. Thank you for listening. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need, and that meets them where they are. And helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's Better H-E-L-P.com. Telling you what, DECT is a game changer. DECT has completely changed how i load organize my truck all my stuff that i want is always in there out of my way and secure it's perfect if you own a pickup truck that you use you know like a truck the Decked drawer system gives you weatherproof storage for all your gear you can lock it up too you keep your tools and gear organized job site or out in the field go to deck.com slash meat eater to receive free shipping go to decked.com dot com slash meat eater get yourself some free shipping